Hey, hey, kids, you're listening to a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138 Simpsons podcast. No, rien de rien. No, je ne regrette rien. Ni le bien. That's right, we're the Simpsons podcast that discusses the beloved animated sitcom The Simpsons, but we don't start from the beginning and go in chronological order. That makes too much sense. No, we decided, hey, let's get a jumping point. And the jumping point is season 11. We watch episodes from 11 and beyond, but at random, mm-hmm. I'm half an annoyed Grunt Boy Craig, and with me is... Your other half annoyed Grunt Boy, Steve. How how was your week? It was all right. I uh, I've been spending some time playing video games because I had a little injury, and so I'm kind of spent the last three days at home. It felt like early quarantine, I guess. That's right. Steve had an injury. He had to have one of them removed, if you know what I mean. It was the right one. Yeah. No, you hurt your foots. Yep, I fell down and made boom boom. I mean, yeah. I didn't make boom boom, <laughs> but. Uh... That's always like my biggest fear is like if I get into an accident in public, I'll just shit myself. I know. <laughs> well, luckily, no fecal matter did I make. Uh, no, I just uh, fell down and I twisted my ankle and it uh, spilled up and turned up bright purple. So you've been uh, off the floor walking, just laying in bed, playing video games? Yep, I've... Uh, I, so... Uh, oh, you, Lana Del Rey. Yep. Playing video I also games. got that summertime sadness. <laughs> uh, what are we playing? Something uh, on your PS5? Something brand new? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know me. Actually, I have a PS4 and I am actually a lapsed gamer, so... I am playing uh, popular games that people have probably already played, but uh, I am currently playing Red Dead Redemption 2, and it's uh, like Ghost of Tsushima if you're a cowboy. (laughs) Yeah, um, Red Dead probably is one of my favorite game franchises of all time. It's It's a lot of fun. Beautiful, yeah. I mean, as much as I love Ghost of Tsushima, I still think Red Dead has like a lot more things you can do and explore. Yeah, and the variety of characters that you interact with is a lot deeper, because usually with ghosts, uh, you run into either a side story or uh, a Mongol. And this, you know, you can run into a lot of people. Um, I did find that in the beginning, I was kind of getting used to the controllers because they were playing another game that had uh, completely different controls. So I accidentally shot some people <laughs> or, I ex- or I'd like pull out my gun when I didn't mean to. Oh, yeah. I'll still do that when I play the game. Like, God damn it. My favorite thing, though, is I ha- I ran into like three clan members in the game. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And I shot one of them. And the two were so stunned that they dropped the cross that they were holding to burn and it fell on them and killed them both. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a nice bit of karmic. Uh... Gavin? Yeah. <laughs> Gavin! I do enjoy it. I haven't played that played that game in a long time. Huh. Hello? Hello? Have you seen Gavin? Gavin? I'm looking for Gavin. <laughs> Where is he? 
Uh, did you ever play the Red Dead on the PS3? The Red Dead, Red Dead the first the, one. The OG. I did not. Uh, yeah. So this is this is really a, a prequel to the the first one. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's awesome. I, I yeah I enjoy that game. Love it. The online world too is is, is really fun. Uh, from what I heard. Um, and yep. So you got like two games in one essentially. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it'll uh, it'll probably take me some time to play it. Uh, what about you, Craig? Are you playing anything these days? Yeah. Uh, by the same company of Rockstar, I'm uh, playing a very recent game called Grand Theft Auto V. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I have played it before because, you know, the game's like 100 years old. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking because I only have a PlayStation 4 as well. I don't have a PS5. And I was like playing it, you know, restarting the whole game, just playing the whole story over again. I'm like, something seems different or I couldn't grasp it, but I had never played it on the PS4. I've only ever played it on the PS3. So that's how like. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I don't remember there ever being like cats. Oh, this is like, like there's like literally dogs that walk around or cats and whatever. And you can actually see them. Yeah, like, I don't remember this. And then I realized, oh, I have never actually, I've owned it on the PS4, but I've never actually played it on the PS4. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I'm just going back in time. I like you. Ooh, I like going back in time. Hmm. What if we went back all the way to the year 2012? I think Grand Theft Auto V had been out for six years by then. <laughs> Sounds about right. Why don't we uh, go into the corner and see if we have any uh, beers to enjoy? Oh, okay. Uh, in our reoccurring popular segment, the Simpsons Beer Corner. It's where you can drink beer and watch the Simpsons. That's right. Uh, Craig, what have you got us got for yourself to drink today while we watch uh, this episode? Here. I got a, uh, let's grab something out of the uh, old fridge there. It's probably, uh, it's called Aloha Death. I've been, oh, you've been wanting to know about this one. Oh, um, yeah. All right, it's so Aloha Death, and it's from... Uh, Is that Iron Horse? Yeah, Iron Horse. Did I already do an Iron... Yeah, I did an Iron Horse already. You uh, did the Irish Death. Right. <laughs> oh, you're right. I, I don't remember this. Okay, so the Aloha Death is a dark, smooth ale brewed with coconut and inspired by Irish Death. So we know what this one's about, guys. Um, this brew's malt-forward profile brings the tropics to your to you uh, with hints of coconut and chocolate. Uh, please enjoy your take on the sweet Aloha spirit. Hmm, sounds tasty. Others. Yeah. The alcohol volume uh, or the alcohol percentage is at 6.56. And um, it's not kid friendly. I mean, it's cute because it's it's a, it's a black can with uh, a white skull and a pink uh, a pink lay. Ooh, that's fun there. I mean, if you're a cool kid, you'd totally want to grab it. Sure. Your wife's Hawaiian, which you'd be like, oh, that's my people's brew. Yep, and it's beer, so it's my people's brew. I do like coconuts and chocolates. I love the idea of you know a German is li- literally just what a, a liquid German cake, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, oh, you get the, the coconut right there at the end. All right. Nice. So, I mean, it doesn't taste like I, I'm drinking a dark beer and then putting suntan lotion in my mouth. <laughs> but no, you know what? The coconut flavor is reminds me of, um, well, besides coconut, but um, yeah, it's got the almond joy aftertaste. There we go. Nice. Or more, more like a mounds. Right. Because there's no nuts. And there's the chocolate. Uh, yep. All right. So here's uh, Liquid Mounds. Would you say that you like that more or less than the OG Irish Chef? You know, I like coconut, but it can only go so far. Like I could, I could probably just do like a can of this or sure. one pint. I don't think I would like get order like another round. Gotcha. It's a, it's a dessert. It definitely is. But pour this over some uh, vanilla bean ice cream. But it'd be Ooh, really good. Sounds good. Or is uh, my favorite vanilla ice cream, uh, Blue Bunny homemade vanilla. It's the best ice cream, vanilla ice so cream. It's a very good vanilla ice cream. All right, Steve. What are you drinking and watching The Simpsons with? Well, Craig. Um. So in this episode, it's a Valentine's Day episode where Lisa. Falls in love 
So I have a beer from Block 15, a brewery out of Corvallis, Oregon, a couple hours away from us here in Portland metro area. Uh, so this is Love Potion number nine. Uh, it's not about the Sandra Bullock film or the uh, 50 song. It's a chocolate raspberry stout. And it reads, this sweet stout was brewed with a tantalizing blend of special, specialty dark malts conditioned on chocolate and a delightfully tart combo of red and black raspberries. A most romantic concoction. Love Potion Number no. 9 balances rich malt and chocolate flavors with vibrant very berry flavors. So it is uh, 7%, 7% ABV. It comes in a can and it's uh, dark. It's a beer. You can really smell the berries when you sniff it, but it doesn't smell like an artificial berry flavor. It smells like fresh raspberries. Hmm. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that's really nice. It's uh, kind of has a bitter chocolate flavor, which is balanced out by the berries. I was expecting this to be really sweet, and it's actually pretty good. Like the berries kind of uh, steal the show, but it's uh, not as sweet as you get. I, I really like this. It's a nice balance of bitterness and uh, not bitterness. And I would probably uh, drink a couple of these. It's good. And you probably will. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, while we're drinking our beers, it sounds good. Um, what are we watching? Before we go into what we're watching, uh, what was uh, the number one movie in the box office on February 12th, 2012 to 12-2012? Uh, number one movie in the box office was The Vow. Oh. Is that a uh, Sandra Bullock movie? Probably. Rachel McAdams. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what I meant. Rachel McAdams. Uh, Steve, I vow to never watch The Vow. How about that? I vow to also never <laughs> once vow. It's uh, Scott Channing Tatum and uh, Scott Sweeterman. Sam Neill. Ooh. Jessica Lange. Tatiana Maslany. It's a movie. All right. Um, <laughs> hey, Steve, while we were watching The Vow, what were you uh, bopping to? Well, Craig, we were bopping to the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100, Set Fire to the Rain by Adele. Now, surely there can't be a kid's version or kid's bop of this. I don't see how Adele song would be there, but huh. perhaps there's a chance. You shouldn't have kids playing with matches to set fire to rain. No. It'll burn the, the rain. I know. And that's really an, an ineffective way because yeah. it's raining. It's wet. Okay. Well, here's some kids setting fire. Yeah. I like that song, but uh, let's leave it to Adele and not these dumbbells. <laughs> That's take, harsh, Craig. Yeah, take that, kids. I actually thought the kids were okay singing. I think the levels were off, though. The drums were, like, coming in real heavy. And, like, the kids, like, it's really, like, kids Bob needs an adult engineer. What do you think adult. the kids are engineering it? I assume so. I assume it's an all-kids production. <laughs> that is also a Saturday morning cartoon. Wouldn't you want to watch that? No, I, I want to watch The Simpsons, Steve. Alrighty, fine. Well, why don't we watch uh, the 13th episode of the 23rd season that originally aired on 2-12-2012, The Daughter Also Arises. Uh, in that, Marge and Lisa's plans for a mother-daughter Valentine's Day take a turn when Lisa falls head over heels for an intellectual romantic guest voiced by Michael Sarah. Meanwhile, Bart and Milhouse investigate Springfield Elementary's legends, or perhaps myths. All right, Steve, uh, it's no myth that we'll be right back. And we're back. Today we're talking about The Daughter Also Rises, the 13th episode of the 23rd season. It originally aired on February 12th, 2012. 
It is episode 499, the show's run. Your nerd code is P-A-B-F-O-6. It was written by Rob Lezebnik, directed by Chuck Sheets, and your showrunner is Al Jean. Uh, what can we say about Rob Lezebnik that we haven't said before? Hmm. He has a son named Johnny Lezebnik. I guess we haven't said that before. That's true. And isn't, uh, that the, par- isn't that the lead singer of Goo Goo Dolls? <laughs> I don't know, but it sounds like uh, he should be a bad guy in an 80s movie. Yeah, school, Lezebnik. Like- uh, Johnny Lezebnik over there. He's gonna kick your ass. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> here's a fun. Here's a fun future fact. Uh, Johnny Lezebnik uh, co-wrote an episode with his dad for the coming season thirty-three. Oh, that's very sweet. Episode's called "Portrait of a Lackey on Fire," and apparently the uh, episode is Smithers-centric. Huh. So look forward to father and son Lezebniks tackling uh, a Simpsons issue. <laughs> It's very interesting. I wonder if like they'll you dive into like uh, Smithers' origin story and like we meet his daddy. I mean, yeah, because we knew that. Uh, what well, I forgot what the episode was, but Smithers' dad also was worked for Burns, right? Yeah, and it was, so it was kind of a sweet episode, if I remember right. Didn't he like sacrifice his life so Waylon could live? I think like, so. Yeah, like he 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 pulled the Spock. Remember when Spock dies in Wrath of Khan? Like he went, didn't he go into like a reactor and just like he saved Springfield? Yeah, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of yeah. the one. And then I think Burns like threw him in a sewer or something. Then he turned <laughs> into a rat and raised four t- teenage journals. <laughs> now, I don't know that episode uh, off the top of my head, but I feel like that might be within our uh, episodes we could watch, right? I would say so, yeah. It seems like a season 13 episode, maybe. Maybe even later. Like I could see that being like a season 19. Oh, now I have to. Do I have to Google Waylon Smithers' dad? Smithers' dad. Let's see who can type fastest, Steve. Uh, Waylon Smithers Senior. Uh, the no, oh, there's the Blunder Years. Was that the one? No. Um, maybe. Could be. Yeah, that corpse turned out to be Waylon Smithers' father, Waylon Senior Jr. Oh, because oh, I remember the episode now was Homer. Was it one where Homer had like a scream or? Yeah, it was the Blunder Years. Okay. Season thirteen. We'll get to that eventually. Wow. Yeah. Was it a? Wait, did we? <laughs> Have we done that one? <laughs> uh, let me check the old uh, our old episode list spreadsheet. I mean, this um, is like what episode one twenty three, so it's hard to remember. We did not do the blunder years. Okay, we did the episode after the blunder years. Ah, yes. So eventually, wasn't, we'll... there, wasn't there another episode where Homer had night terrors? Mm, I don't know. It's it's anyway. all been done. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, all no. right. Let's just. Uh, gather on this episode steve i'm i don't know why you told me to uh meet you under a mulberry tree to do this podcast i don't know why but uh, here we are well so this podcast can go on forever okay um and some trivia for you the episode title is a parody of uh, ernest hemingway's the sun also rises and uh it's the daughter also rises which also happens to be the episode title of the CW show uh, Vampire Diaries, which I've never seen an episode of. Steve, what's your favorite uh, Hemingway novel? Um, Ernest or Mariel? <laughs> uh, let's go with Ernest. Okay. I like the one where he speaks in the short, direct sentences and talks about being a man in Europe, and he gets drunk a lot. You know my favorite uh, Ernest Hemingway appearance was uh, Indiana Jones. Remember, he was in Young Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Remember when, like, uh, making a joke, not the real Ernest Hemingway, he was long dead before. But do you remember, like, how excited you were when a kid, as a kid, like, when the young Indiana Jones Chronicles or whatever was going to premiere? And you're like, oh man, it's going to be like cool, like, kid Indiana Jones with like a whip and gun. 
Mm-hmm. And then it turned out to be just like George Lucas just wanted to like teach us about history. And we're like, yeah. fuck you. We got education <laughs> trapped. Yeah, especially oh, I hated those ones with the little like indie, like the one that was like only like oh. nine. I was like, come on, like show at least the teen indie. Yeah, at least the teen indie kind of like like have some adventure. The uh yeah, the uh powder indie. It was played by yes. the guy who played powder. I, uh, what's his yeah. name? Yeah, uh powder. Powder man. <laughs> Well, I can't think of uh, Powder's name. Sean Patrick Flannery. Oh, yes. I am Sean Patrick Flannery. I wonder how he's I, doing these days. I could, I don't know. I could see him, like, surprisingly, like, turn out to be, like, a Trumper or something. <laughs> I don't know that to be true at all, and I'm not like... No, no. <laughs> he's got some credits still, like, uh, Born a Champion came out 2021. All right, there you go. Uh, the Lady Driver. I, none of these movies I've heard of. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's hanging out with... Is the lady driver a sequel to Edgar Wright's The Baby Driver? <laughs> um, but he does uh, do a lot of work. There so, you go. Uh, He's still around. Good job, uh, Sean Flannery Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yes, you were great in American Pie. Well, let's uh, go to that title screen where Ralph Wiggum, uh, dressed as a winged baby Cupid, uh, shoots an arrow in the letter O in the word Simpsons, turning it into a heart. Craig, I think we have a Valentine's Day episode on our hands. About time. That's right. So when I think of Valentine's Day, I think of uh, June, the month <laughs> of June, when we're yep. recording this. Since Ralph you know, is a Cupid now, he surely won't be in the uh, billboard gag or like when they cut the head off of Jebediah Springfield, right? Oh, no, I wouldn't think so. How is he in two places at once, Steve? Maybe he had a twin sister or brother oh. <laughs> who died and became a Cupid. Oh, I like it. Also, when I was writing notes, the word Cupid just left my head. So I had to type in like Valentine's baby arrow because I just couldn't think of the word Cupid. It just How could you forget Cupid? It's not like I write Cupid every day. Yeah, but I mean, it's so common. All right. Well, there was a billboard for a, a McBain movie, which uh, was a said what McBain's Valentine's Day Kiss Assacre. Yes, <laughs> Kiss Assacre. That's that's a fun name. And it's opening on February fourteenth and closing on February sixteenth. <laughs> uh, the billboard shows the action movie star grimacing while holding a rifle and a heart shaped box of chocolates. I'd watch that. Yeah, it should be. That'd be fun. It seems like now there would be something that you just watch at home over the weekend. Yeah, I was just going to say it's going to be on Netflix or. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, John Cena is going to be the star of it. <laughs> Absolutely. It'd be like trending number one for like for that weekend and then yeah. never seen again. And like I will for some reason watch it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, oh, it's a new movie. Cool. <laughs> and then like two years from now, my mother-in-law will be like, I just saw this great new movie. <laughs> like, What are you talking about? Um, we also have a chalkboard gag in which Bart writes, I will not replace a candy heart with a frog's heart. I think that's a fun uh, Simpsons uh, or a, a Bart joke because it's, you know, funny. <laughs> yeah, it would be a good like Bart oh, prank to do that. Yeah, I can see you know, he's got access. Bart there's got access to the frog hearts for, you know, the frogs they dissect. That'd be a good prank. I mean, it's no George Clooney level pranking, but, you know. Yeah, and he didn't shit in a cat box or anything. <laughs> yeah, he got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, we do have a couch gag. It's a very rather long one, too. Um, because, you know, it's a special episode, Steve. And very we know special. it because the family walks into the living room with a banner that says, Happy 500th episode. Steve, it's the 500th episode mm. of The Simpsons. Is it? And Mo wishes them well. And several Springfield residents join the celebration. And a band plays Old Lang Syne. And like two t- confetti guns blasting a tiny piece of paper into the air. And then Lisa reviews the comprehensive 20 year Simpsons episode guide book. And uh, after doing some quick calculations on her, her uh, eight digits, <laughs> uh, she comes to the conclusion that this is actually the 499th episode. Oh. So Mo, uh, Mo regretfully informs the crowd that Fox won't do this again. And the, the party go- goers uh, groan and 
disappointed unity steve it's really <sighs> not i feel like we had something similar to this a few episodes ago yeah so they got the 300th episode wrong too as they credit it as barting over but in, the re- in reality it's the strong arms of the maw and so yeah but mo was just uh, breaking the fourth wall there well the episode proper does begin steve a good old 742 evergreen terrace we got besties there we all have some bark comparing their valentines they received so it is a valentine's day sort of maybe yeah episode just starts off that way yeah oh uh, bart has a pile of cards but millhouse just has a two there one from lisa so i mean hey there you go yeah that's all he really cares about he just wants some lisa action that's right um but it's probably out of pity right i would assume so yeah um and then he's got another one from his optometrist dr sheila eisenberg but bart points out that it's uh probably a bill and despite that there's a love stamp there yeah do you ever get like weird like like birthday cards from something you know what i mean like uh oh yeah it's like your electric company happy birthday also here's a bill <laughs> yeah every now and then like i get like uh happy birthday it'll just be like in the month of november from target <laughs> yeah. like, like okay cool. do i get a coupon <laughs> no you, we're just saying hey buy more stuff from us <laughs> just a reminder buy things commerce dr eisenberg is a good name for an optometrist it's got eyes right in there <laughs> oh yeah and she which is as you would know uh latin for the she eyes exactly <laughs> don't look that up anyone it's true yeah, yeah. <laughs> next time you're at a party because you can party now we're all vaccinated just be like hey you know what <clears throat> sheila she eyes she eyes the feminine of eyes yes the irish she uh, sheila's are uh shining in the morning <laughs> Uh, so to distract his lonely friend, Bart turns on the TV. The itchy and scratchy cartoon Roses Are Red, Violence Is Due plays, showing the mouse in a tuxedo, ripping the beating heart out of the sleeping Scratchy, much to his dismay. Uh, itchy opens the heart, places Scratchy's eyes, nose, tongue, and teeth into the heart, and uses the cat's intestines as a bow. He then uh, presents the gift to the dying cat, and the cat lets out a horrible death knoll. And then the boys laugh when suddenly Kirk Van Houten pops his head into the Simpsons window. <laughs> now, son, you know Itchy and Scratchy give you night terrors. Last night you had the night terrors. Yeah, I dreamt I got fired from that job I dreamt I got the night before. Welcome to Myth Crackers, where we debunk rumors, legends, and all religions, except the Jesus-based ones. It's a beautiful afternoon. No TV. Luckily, she doesn't know that our viewing platforms are multi. (laughs) No TV on the computer. No TV on a smartphone. Hey, it's the Mythbusters. Yeah. Or Myth Crackers, I should say. Remember uh, remember that show, Steve? Yeah, I used to watch it quite often. Yeah, it seems like it was on years ago. Yeah. Now, are, you... now what are they doing? Um, I don't know. I know that like uh, Jamie and Adam, who guest are on the show in this episode, I think that he left at some point and it was just uh, Carrie and Byron. Sure. And I mean, uh, it wasn't as good. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I watched a few episodes here and there, you know, like ones were like, let's debunk like James Bond shit. Those were fun. Yeah. I, I never like sought out the show, but I watched a lot of it. Like it always seemed like like if I got off early in an afternoon and I just wanted to put something on the TV, the Discovery Channel would show a marathon of Mythbusters and Cash Cab. 
and you know that's good viewing for not paying attention we approve of uh, the show yeah um, to exist so some of the uh, myths that they talk about in that clip is uh the mentos and cola which i think we tried one time in our apartment do we yeah i think i remember doing that on the patio huh, i have no memory of that it did knock you knock you unconscious oh so there we go uh non-jesus related religions which are all stupid wait you're saying all of them except for jesus religions are stupid they're all the same <laughs> wait, 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 you're saying that only jesus religions are good no actually i'm saying <laughs> that all sounded, the religions are, i know sounded like like <laughs> that's what they were implying yeah no i know but it's not like you were implying that too no i think all religions are stupid yes for edit and eh, nah, i don't care no no we're not religious on this podcast so. not a religious podcast no Ooh, is that a new catchphrase could be <laughs> definitely not a religious podcast no um but they also talk about going swimming directly after eating um and you get the cramps um and then dropping a penny from a skyscraper which will cause you to die yeah because that going swimming after eating like that's a death right and then the penny thing too yeah okay well bart and millhouse take their uh multi-platform viewing to the next stop which is a gas station, which at the time, which is weird. I don't, I don't really see it much anymore, but some gas stations just have TVs that will play <laughs> clips of the news. Yeah, I feel like it's a very much a California thing. Yeah, but we had it. I mean, we have it up here, too. So, yeah, Oregon is probably different because Oregon, you don't pump your gas. You nope. and New Jersey people. Although I thought there was a law passed. No, this is a boring talk, but I think there was a law passed where rural parts of Oregon, you can pump your own gas. Yeah, I have no stake in the game, but I don't know why people are so passionate about punching their own gas. <laughs> Uh, like, I don't know why you feel like a right's being taken away from you. Like, let somebody do it. Who cares? Uh, I mean, I don't I'm, know. I'm used to it. It's uh, pumping my own gas, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, so they're watching the the myth crackers on the gas station. But I think it's funny. That, you know, the cars are really just patient, just letting the kids because the cars are all backed up. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, uh, what, what those, was that guy just uh, run those kids over? Who cares? Right. Yeah. Back on the Mythbusters, we have Adam and Jamie look to prove or disprove the classic myth of uh, cats always landing on their feet um, and not wanting to hurt a real cat. They engineer a uh, or they take a Build-A-Bear carcass and stuff it with ballistic gel and shoot it with a 20-foot barrel steam cannon <laughs> and made a, a scatter plot of the remains. And when the actual model flies through the air, the fur melts off to reveal like a... Uh, Terminator-esque exoskeleton. So maybe that's why Build-A-Bears are so expensive. There's an exoskeleton. Could be, yeah. <laughs> I feel like The Simpsons like using that joke of just like there's exoskeletons of you know stuffed animals or toys yeah it's great um and then that exoskeleton hurdles towards an oil derrick and it blows up causing which i think is fine because the body is this real time because both yeah. of us are watching it and then they just look over at the gas prices and they just double <laughs> it's one of those rare live mythbuster yeah. shows <laughs> uh, you know who's to blame for those uh rising gas prices friggin mm. president biden i know the man who's in control of gas prices, President Biden. Where he like calls, raise the prices, Captain. <laughs> hey, this is the captain of the Exxon Valdez. <laughs> Wait, what am I? I don't know what I am. <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Not again. Aww. So the uh, Mythcrackers are pleased with the results, even if they don't quite remember what they're trying to dispel. And uh, this gives Bart Milhouse an idea. Hey, Bart! Why don't we become myth crackers? 
I bet those guys get so many valentines. That might be a good idea, but then again, you thought it up. Eh, why not? Okay. First myth. Using a cell phone at a gas station is dangerous. Yeah, I think that's also a myth. Like, I think when like cell phones first came out, or there was always a uh, please don't operate your cell phone. Yeah, it's kind of like the same thing with like being on an airplane. Right. It's not like the plane's gonna go down. There had to be like a movie in like the early two thousands where, or like mid two thousands, where hackers like were on an airplane and like took out their cell phone and hacked into the controls of the airplane and took it. <laughs> To... Yeah, like one's on each end of the plane and like one opens up their Motorola razor and the plane <laughs> yeah. just flips at 45 <laughs> degrees. And then the other one on the other side of the plane turns on their Nokia and it breaks itself. <laughs> so uh, the explosion is heard that you just heard and a Chiron saying confirmed slams across the screen. Milhouse, who has his eyebrows smoldering, which has happened before, uh, says that at least he's cool now. And the word busted flashes across the screen. And then back in the living room, Homer's uh, preparing for Valentine's Day by curling the bow of a box of chocolates, ensuring his uh, bouquet of roses is just perfect. And then in a great, I don't know if this is meant to be a uh, 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 inside joke or just uh, a funny thing. Homer takes one of the roses and eats it. Now, is that because it's a secret shame? Is he likes eating flowers? Could be. That's from season five, episode 18, Birds is Air, which also that like, oh, my secret shame. That was cut from syndication. So I think, right. yeah, the DVDs are, you know, it's on uh, Disney Plus. But he really did it because he wanted to make his breath smell better. Sure. But uh, that's one of my favorite jokes is uh, my secret shame from. Yeah, it's classic. Yep. Uh, so yeah, he does that, and then uh, Bart questions the tradition of that made-up holiday known as Valentine's Day. Why does the guy have to do everything for the girl on Valentine's Day? We show girls love on Valentine's Day, and they let us blow stuff up on the 4th of July. I just pray they never fall on the same day. Only hmm. read this. My darling husband, this Valentine's Day, I have a present for you. Thanks for reading it to me. My pleasure. I want you to have a fun night doing guy stuff. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. <gasps> oh, Marge, this is brilliant. I just think we should do things every day to show our love for each other. <laughs> it's okay, homie. Go. Have a good time. Take Bart with you. Oh, which one you want? like how they do that fun joke of, uh... You think Homer's reading the letter in Marge's voice, but she's actually just uh, reading it. Or... Yeah, that was cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, Homer's saying that uh, he hopes that Valentine's Day and Fourth of July don't fall on the same day. It's fun, dumb Homer. You know, I think we should just combine like some holidays. I'm okay with that. Well, or we just get rid of Valentine's Day. We don't need it. Yeah. Or combine. We just had one Parents' Day. <laughs> I feel like there was a conversation like this on a different podcast. Could be. Yeah, I think it was a freedom podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think so. They made a good point of like Thanksgiving because now like it, the, the way Thanksgiving is associated now, I think needs to like go away and we should, but we should still have that kind of like idea mm -hmm. of the meal, but like make it in September the start of like, it should be like a, a fall soul, like a fall family gathering. Almost like an Oktoberfest. Exactly. So you do that and then you can still have Halloween trick-or-treating should be the last Saturday of October. Yeah. 
so kids can go out on Saturday. Which makes sense. They have time to sober up on Sunday. Right. <laughs> and go to church, of course. Of course. Uh, not, a, or, <laughs> not a religious <laughs> podcast. And then uh, and then November, you know what? Everyone loves Christmas so much. Make November and December just two giant Christmas months. Yeah. <laughs> the anticipation. <laughs> Every Friday is Black Friday. Uh, hello, Target, Walmart. Did you just hear us? We just paid you a billion more dollars. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, I'm all for that. I like commercialism. <laughs> sure, why not? Hey, The Simpsons here, Steve. Oh, yeah. So uh, Bart and Homer head to the uh, testosterone zone. Testosterone. Testosterone. It's testosterone, but zone instead of tone. Testosterone. Yes. Entertainment center okay. to enjoy the batting cages. Homer tells his son that he has the most wonderful mom in the world. As, and as a result, he has no idea where she is or what she's doing. A, a car drives by and gives Homer a dirty look. Homer shouts out, shout out that that's right, it's Valentine's Day, and he has a date with some fastballs. The man in the car under his breath says, lucky bastard, displeasing his wife, who happens to be sitting right next to him. He uh, nervously tugs at his collar and explains to his bride that he was talking to himself in the side view mirror. Homer laughs and taunts at the man. And the driver responds by wishing Homer hits one off the handle, causing his hand to sting. I like that little that little run there. It was fun. Did you think that the joke was going to be Homer saying, it's Valentine's Day. I don't have a date with this little boy. <laughs> yeah, that's. I thought they were going. <laughs> Let's edit that so Homer does say that. And then the guy's like, lucky bastard. <laughs> I guess he wants to date a little boy. I mean, who doesn't? Uh, Certainly Catholic to- Church is. Not, <laughs> not a religious podcast. Just trying it out. Let's just think about it. It's kind of weird that Marge, I mean, now we're getting into like her wanting to be with her daughter, but it is weird. That's just like, all right, just do something with your son on Valentine's Day. Yeah. I think in Marge's mind, like giving him like the, hey, go, go, go get drunk with your friends is a bit much. So this is like a compromise for Marge to herself. Yeah. To like allow him to do something fun. Did you notice that um, the driver pulls up next to the testosterone zone is driving on the left side of the road instead of the right? Which hey, James the... Bond. <laughs> right. All right. So here's a new myth that's busted. Uh, Springfield's not in America. It's in the UK. There we go. So when you know, the guy uh, hopes that Homer swings the bat, the hands will sting. And that happens after he hits the ball. Ugh, I have flashbacks. That's the worst feeling ever when you play baseball. I thought you might. Yeah, I, I've done, only done it like once, but it sucks. Ugh, that's why you wear gloves. But even then. Yeah. But, you know, Homer and Bart are having a grand old time there. And they're aiming uh, some fast pitches at another. And one ball hits Bart, knocking him unconscious. <laughs> and in an attempt to help him, Homer switches the automatic pitcher to slow and flings the balls of the sun steadily faster, waking up much like a, probably like a defibrillator. Yeah. And it's also classic Bart and Homer just hurting each other. It's great. I just love the fact that it not only woke him up, but then Homer continued to hit him with balls <laughs> while he was <laughs> standing upright. <laughs> Well, like it regenerated him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then they head over to the arcade where Homer is enjoying a motorcycle racing game. You know, he's even got the this will come on the, the ones where you can ride a bike, you know? Yeah, that's, that's always fun. fun. But then he grabs a uh, a shotgun from Aunt versus Zombies, which is funny. Uh, and he shoots away his opponents. Didn't you wish when you were a kid like that worked? Don't you remember like when you were playing like the <laughs> shooting games, you'd like go over to the other game and like see if like you could shoot Tetris off? Yeah, like you could like pull off the Uzi from uh, Revolution X yeah. and shoot uh, the uh, the other uh, ape Dig from Doug. Rampage. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. <laughs> Just shoot him up until he blows up. Yeah, it'd be cool. That would be cool if all video games were <laughs> like that. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, yeah, you grab a, a gun from like, oh, what's the, any of the gun games and like to shoot the the ghost from Pac Man, making right. the game much easier. It's um, true. So, uh, uh, 
they continue to play uh, air hockey on the air hockey table there. And Homer rings the bell as he sits on the uh, test your strength carnival game. And Bart and Homer turn in their uh, massive pile of game tickets for a tiny little dog toy. Like how uh, Bart just scores through the <laughs> air hockey table there. I bet you that would feel really good if there was an air hockey table like powerful enough to blow you into the air like that to make you microplane. I wonder what it feels like to be naked on top of an air hockey table. <laughs> it feels kind of weird, but not horrible. <laughs> But also probably really dirty. Yeah, and hopefully no one's playing. Yeah, that would really hurt. <laughs> I got a hole in one. So meanwhile, uh, Marge and Lisa are having their own mother-daughter Valentine's Day at Luigi's. Uh, Marge uh, grasped, uh trying to find some similarities between herself and her daughter when suddenly she's distracted. Someone's about to put the Thousand Island ladle into the vinaigrette dressing at the salad bar. Marge jumps into action, gently pushing the spoon aside, sadly letting one uh, drop of Thousand Island contaminate the oil-based dressing, making it bubble and boil. Meanwhile, Lisa, who's still at the table, looks over to see a crack in the booth. Through she spies a boy reading Ernest Hemingway's uh, A Farewell to Arms, and the two share a glance, and then Lisa speaks up. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to be nosy. Don't apologize. It was dark. Then a light came through the crack. The light was you. Oh, you have a way with words. Words are just nails we use to build ideas. Care to continue this discussion at the dessert table? Mom, I'm gonna look at the desserts! Don't panic. This can be separated out. Quick, does anyone have a centrifuge? Oh, Ivan, all I wanted was one romantic night. Oh, for Cliven, gosh, traffic. Yep, you're the crackhead. <laughs> what dessert are you gonna get? I'll toss this fork into the air, and wherever it lands, that's what I'll eat. Hiya! <gasps> As Hemingway said, the shortest answer is doing the thing. Um, I should probably get back to my mom. By the way, my name is. No! When I first hear your name, I wanna be somewhere important. The peak of Kilimanjaro. The back of a Vaporetto in Venice, the- Lisa! Now this is the most important place in the world. Now that's a spicy meat cute. Mwah! Lisa? Hey, Midge. You want a piece of my ziti? That costs a nickel, but uh, we'll settle up later. So much going on in that clip there, Steve. I know. Can I go back to one thing real quick? Uh, sure. <laughs> I've never read A Farewell to Arms, <laughs> and... Um, Based on the cover that he's reading, it looks like it's a nurse with a patient. And I was right. it's about I think we both yeah. And he has to have his arms uh chopped off because <laughs> they're 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 blown off. Cause he like maybe I like, held like two grenades in his hand. He's like, I don't know what right. to do with these. And he exploded, rip, blowing his arms off, and he falls in love with a nurse. But it's farewell to his arms, right? Right. Like she can't like the hope is that he'll be she'll be able to sew him back on. <laughs> and she can't, but he still loves her. And the last line of the book is truly this is a farewell to arms. I think you would uh yeah, you write that book report, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. I, I, I thought the exact same thing <laughs> to a T, the grenades and everything. <laughs> I was gonna make the same joke. <sighs> Sorry, I stole your joke. No, it's perfectly fine. But now I want them to parody a farewell to arms. <laughs> yeah, it's uh... <laughs> it's Michael Sarah. Where? In the, inside the little boy. Oh no, not him now. Really that surprised? 
I don't know. I don't know what Michael Sarah is like in his personal life. I assume he's awkward, like every part he plays. Yeah, he's uh, also an okay bassist. He seems like a bassist. Yeah, he does. <sighs> well, uh, what else there in that clip? Um, oh, I love a uh, Frank. Yeah, uh, Miss Wyoming there. <laughs> All right, <laughs> he steps away to get the centrifuge. He's replaced <laughs> by another nerd. Uh, that other nerd, you know, looks pretty good too. Yeah, I like the suspenders. Miss Wyoming's got a type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The salad bar bit with the dressing. I don't really go to much uh, buffets. I don't think they exist anymore. Um, but I used to go to like Mongolian grills. Yeah. Where you, you mix your, your plate together of like meats and veggies and then like sauces too. But I always had such a hard time. Like my hands will shake. I mean, you're, you're a shaky person too. Oh, absolutely. So like I hated getting the, the oils together because I would always drip on the thing and then I'd screw up and get some other drips and other sauces. I felt bad, but it was so hard to reach. It is. And those like little plastic ladles are not like the way that they're shaped. They're not shaped like a normal soup ladle. They're, they're prone to spillage. Yeah. And they're always sticky. Yeah. I don't think those are going to exist anymore. Nope. Not those ladles. <laughs> I actually went to uh, like a week ago, I went to a conveyor belt sushi, but they don't have, huh. the, they don't have the conveyor belt work anymore because of, you know, COVID. But um, I, they just gave you like a menu and you circle the pictures. <laughs> And oh, I, like uh, like a sushi restaurant. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's some joy about. Uh, no, there is fun when you see it. When the uh, conveyor. I like it when you see a thing that hasn't been picked, and then on the next rotation, it's gone. I'm like, ah, oh, somebody finally chose it. It won. <laughs> you know what you never see picked is like the egg ones. Oh yeah. Uh, hey Steve, let's start our second act. Is that all right? All righty, fine. Unless you have any trivia for me real quick. Oh, uh, well, Lisa's uh, been in love before. Ooh. Um, so obviously, uh, Nelson Muntz from Lisa's Date with Density. And, and, you know, she went on a date with Ralph. And then in the Simpsons movie, she fell in love with a boy named Colin. So um, the only relationship that is mentioned by Lisa after the initial episode or movie is with Nelson. Although I think that is no longer true because I think she's referenced dating Ralph before. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about I haven't watched the Simpsons movie in some time. I, I should go back and watch that. And I remember Colin, like, I feel like that was like a famous person probably did the voice, but it wasn't. It was just Tress McNeil. Huh. I like. Yeah, I assumed I, it was like Colin Frith or something. Yeah. Like, I went to look at the credits again of the Simpsons movie and like like Green Day and uh, like Tom Hanks, I think, were like the only like celebrity guests. And then everyone else, you know, they just use their they use their crew. I like that. Yeah, that's respectful. Well, can now we start the second act? OK, fine. All right. Well, it begins in the cafeteria, Springfield Elementary and uh, Barton Millhouse sporting some lab coats because they're the new myth crackers. And they tackle the most terrifying myth of the school. If you press E8 on the candy vending machine, you'll get electrocuted and die. Uh, Martin asks if they built a robot hand to touch the buttons, but their solution is a little simpler. So Bart grabs Millhouse's hand, forcing it to enter the cursed code. I gasped, and so do the kids. Exactly. Um, and then the spiral item holder spins, and an item falls out of the dispenser, and that myth has been cracked. Dun, dun, dun. So Nelson fishes out the Licky Strike candy cigarettes um, from the vending machine, unaware that uh, candy cigarettes are a thing. And on the side of the pack, there is a Sturgeon General's warning, may cause fun, which I thought was fun. So it did. Mission accomplished, cigarettes. Nelson's future husband, Martin, tells the vested bully that the uh, candy was discontinued because they thought it would encourage children to smoke. Nelson scoffs at this concept and then joins, enjoys a candy cig with a nearby girl, quickly shoving another one in his mouth. Cigarette, not girl. Uh, saying that he can quit anytime he wants. 
wonder who that girl was. I don't know. She looks familiar. She looks like a spelunker. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I remember candy cigarettes. There was ones that were just the chalk sticks, right? Yeah, and I think that's all you can find now. Right, because there used to be ones that were gum, but yeah. you'd like, you would blow the powder like smoke. Exactly. Yeah, those are the ones that I remember. <laughs> I also remember that there were bubblegum cigars that were all bubblegum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember one time, I don't one know time. if I've told, have I told this story? I don't know. All right. Well, uh, it was Oktoberfest and uh, my parents would go to the local Bavarian town that's in Oregon, uh, Mount Angel, and we'd go to Oktoberfest. And uh, one year I was selected in the kindergarten to be a part of like their stage show and they had like juggling clowns. And so they stuck a... Uh, cigar in my mouth and the joke was is that they were going to throw uh, bowling pins at one another and knock it out of my mouth they did but it hit my lip <laughs> causing my lip to bleed profusely <sighs> so they r- rushed me off stage and uh, and then the show was over <laughs> and like they denied that anything happened but they stopped the show <laughs> they there was blood on the bubblegum cigar <sighs> Steve, it was weird. if only your lawyer was there I know you'd have been a billionaire I could have taken Mount Angel's Oktoberfest <laughs> yeah. kindergarten land yeah. clowns for all that they're worth. It would have been called Steve Fest. Yep. And they would have to wear barrels with X's on them because <laughs> they'd be poor clowns now. Oh, yeah. I get it. And uh, they'd be homeless, so they'd be the hobo clown too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, The uh, there's some myths coming up here. Um, we didn't have candy machines in elementary school, so that, that myth never existed. True. Or the uh, urban legends, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, hey, how about this? So, let's go to uh, Lard Lad. Yeah. So, across the street from Lard Lad, we are joined Lisa at Alfresco Bistro La Petite Appetite. I should count flows off the tongue. It really does. Um, she's enjoying espresso with uh, Michael Sarah. Mm-hmm. She loves the restaurant, um, noticing that if she covers her peripheral vision, it's uh, as though she were in France. Uh, her perspective shows the young boy smugly staring uh, at her. And then Lisa looks to the left, seeing Bar- Barney vomit at the dumpster. And she looks back to um, Michael Sarah, and then he's uh, stirring his coffee like a real jabroni there. Yeah. Um, then she looks to the right and sees good old Gil bathing in a fountain. And then left again, she finds Snake Jailbird dumping a tied up dead Apu into a puke filled dumpster. Oh, yeah, he's dead, but he could be. No, I think yeah. he's still alive. And then back to the boy. Then to the garbage truck emptying the fountain where Gil was washing the filth off himself. I thought they would have made a joke of like, because isn't isn't parts of Paris just really dirty too? Yeah, it is. It could have been the joke. She's like, this looks just like France. And then show the dirtiness. It's also weird that um, it's a little bit of trivia that when she's like looking left and right away from Michael and looking at a horrible thing, they're playing Fight the Power by uh, Public Enemy. <laughs> That's a weird choice of music. <laughs> also, like, <laughs> think about like, the perspective. <laughs> uh, if you were like, on a date with a girl and she just puts her hands up like that with no, with no like <laughs> like she's not saying what she's doing yeah <laughs> he probably thinks she's crazy yeah so yeah lisa milo shut up lisa opts to look just at her date and meanwhile a child flamenco guitarist nearly loses his love but the hand holding is just too good the camera pans out to reveal his other hand is embraced by a second girl this one with uh, braces and a really cool t-shirt that shows a uh, cat with a beret and so uh, back at the table the waiter brings two boxes of juice uh, for the child lovers when uh oh, lovers child... don't say that <laughs> <laughs> two children who are in love potentially there you go not two who love children um which nick sends back requesting a higher tier of beverage such as the life of a juice boxier i like that the fact that <laughs> there's 
like a restaurant or you know they're at the restaurant <laughs> they have juice boxes well i'm wondering if la petite appetite oh is a restaurant for kids <laughs> is, is like a date spot for children i think you're right yeah also like the worst concept ever it is it'd be messy and smell a, bad a restaurant for children who don't have jobs or money yeah and i just <laughs> feel like they serve butter noodles pb and j and chicken fingers i come to think about it this would be an easy restaurant to make would be <laughs> but then also like how weird it would be if you're an adult <laughs> serving children i don't know yeah uh, it just seems, seems kind of weird um anyways uh let's go to the needle exchange <laughs> but they mean a sewing needle and oh. so our stoner friend Otto is disappointed because he really wanted some heroin apparently <laughs> it's a lot darker than stoner's pop palace <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Inside, uh, Marge is working on quilts and showing off achievements of her daughter, Lisa, not Maggie. And Jerry, the mother of Sherry O'Terry, offers one of her children to Marge. Marge, since you're by yourself, would you like to borrow one of my twins? But remember, the one you pick may not be the one you get. Mom, I'm sorry I'm late. No excuse. I just forgot all about you. Hmm... I'm not sure that patch really represents who I am right now. Well, if you'd been here for the design phase, you could have registered that objection. Now start quilting. <laughs> now there's three of you. Or maybe you're losing your mind. Creepy. Yeah. Didn't we establish that, uh, I don't know if we established, but uh, didn't we say that there was actually quadruplets in one podcast we thought there was? I think so, yeah. <laughs> the Sherry O'Terry. I think that this is the first reference reference to there possibly being a third O'Terry or Sherry. I don't remember Jerry, their mother. No, I don't remember seeing her too. Maybe she's always been in a Covington background, but. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, did you notice any of the uh, patches there in the, the quilt? Yeah, so on Marge's quilt, we have uh, Springfield's Magnet School for the Gifted and Troublesome. Remember that Lisa newspaper, the Red Dress Press? Mm-hmm. Lisa, the editor there. Uh, one showing Lisa embracing a trunk with the words tree hugger underneath. Uh, then that one that she objected to, which says uh, Lisa has a ladybug and says uh, mommy's huggy. Mommy's hug buggy. Um, then we have a patch showing the silhouette of a shovel with the word dirt first above it. And then like, I thought this was supposed to be a quilt for Lisa's achievement, but uh, apparently <laughs> she has one with the burly paper towels, the one that Marge was all horny for, the l- lumberjack spokesman guy. Yep, she doesn't need those paper towels. Oh, geez. <laughs> um, Why would she need the paper towels when she's got the, uh, the quilt. quilt there to soak her up? <laughs> Even Milo didn't like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it either. <laughs> and then on Jerry's quilt, we have the yin-yang symbol. Too fun written there. Uh, um, one that has two uh, silhouettes of girls, like the kind that are outside of bathrooms, and a not equal sign that says, yes, I can tell them apart. And then one that says, uh, identical beats fraternal. <laughs> Um, we have one with a uh, Twins fan with the uh, baseball, the Twin Cities font. That's fun. And then Double the Trouble. Yeah. So uh, that's fun. All right. Well, let's go to Springfield Elementary on the playground, which is where I spent most of my days. <laughs> and Bart and Millhouse are looking to explore another mystery of the elders. Uh, Jimbo, Dolph, and Kearney, alongside the other uh, students, watches Bart ask if you go all the way around the swing, your body would turn inside out. Now we never had that. I don't remember that that being a uh, thing. But wasn't wasn't there one where like if you did it, you can time travel? <laughs> wasn't that um, yeah, I think that that was more 
that was kind of more our our mythos too is that yeah you'd go through time <laughs> but the whole thing was like no kid has ever done the full loop and like you would spend your recess trying to do the loop around the right and you'd even like get like a kid to push you so hard yeah and there'd be that time where you're like almost there <laughs> yeah and then there's that time that it actually kind of worked and then the uh, the chain just like slagged and went back and the kid hit his head on the pole and cracked his skull and he died <laughs> yeah that was fun <laughs> uh they have millhouse there on the swing strapped with some several fireworks and we didn't think of that when we were kids i know and so now if it works millhouse's beauty will be on the outside because you know he's <laughs> beautiful on the inside yeah um and then they light the fireworks and millhouse does the full rotation around the swing and flings in the air and then lands in a nearby mud puddle and <laughs> there's still a couple of fireworks in his pockets and they're spinning spinning my house all around until they fizzle out but my house is still inside in and bart shoves his <laughs> iphone down his mouth and takes a picture inside for proof and the picture that he got was really gross <laughs> know, just guts like how far yeah. he went into his intestines <laughs> i feel like he could make a dark a dark uh simpsons using that frame of <laughs> yeah. bart showing a photo <laughs> or just bart's hand down a... <laughs> yeah uh, so uh <clears throat> we then go to lisa and nick uh where their courtship continues at a carnival the two uh, slowly lays about in a bumper car while excited children around them look to ram one another with their cars oh <laughs> uh, nick leads uh, feeds lisa some pear slices both of them oblivious to the world around them next they attend the running of the bullies where nerds such as database cosine email ham and gary run as dolph jimbo and kearney were just at the playground chase after them jimbo chases a uh, database and spins him around his beanie while uh, dolph chases martin up a lamppost and then uh, beats him beats his own head against the wall or against the post because uh, Martin climbed out of reach. Nick and Lisa look on sharing a juice box. Yeah, it's kind of like a uh, a wartime montage, right? Like yeah, World War Two because they donned some fedoras there with wartime or war reporter tag on the lapel, feverishly covering the news of Bart and Milhouse playing a Call of Duty type game. <laughs> uh, then they head to Moe's where they sit at a booth, each of them behind a typewriter. Mo points uh, Nick's attention towards a sign that says, all pros must be spare and true. Uh, a paraphrase of Hemingway, as you would know, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, Nick tosses his current work and inserts a, a fresh piece of paper into the typewriter, and uh, the young couple then read the peak of a climbing wall and have a picnic and we see the view of the eiffel tower and leaning tower of pisa has there ever been an episode called the leaning tower of lisa there's gotta be <laughs> so we see that they're in fact in the middle of a miniature golf course martin goes to climb the wall there but is uh gored by jimbo who once again spins his uh, prey on his beanie i like to think that that rock wall is uh replaced the uh, windmill at the at the uh uh Put, put golf there yeah because so that's where homer marge you know banged right so now lisa's on the same spot where her parents conceived bart ah it's like a family <laughs> tradition yeah later that evening marge is reading a peter pan to lisa when lisa makes an announcement uh to her mommy she'll now come to the part that peter pan hated i do like a mother's love said toodles mom i have a crush is it on your father Little girls always get crushes on their fathers. Somehow I missed that phase. Almost there, boy. Almost there. Almost there. I'm getting closer. It's just within reach. The boy I like is Hemingway-esque. Okay, let's ask him to dinner. <laughs> wow, Nick here in our house. <laughs> 
I hope it doesn't make him think less of me. This house is not an embarrassment. Usually when I say something like that, something extremely embarrassing happens. I'm going to say goodnight before it does. Goodnight. I like that end joke there. Of, uh, yeah. It's very Simpsons because that was the, uh, you would always get the uh, embarrassing thing happening. Yeah. And the fact that it didn't, and then like you waited for it to happen after she said goodnight and still yeah. didn't. I like that. Yeah. Um, When you were a little girl, did you have a crush on your dad? <laughs> oh, daddy. Uh, no, I didn't. But I think my dad might've had a crush on Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> Like, I think he really just wanted to be him. I bet you're right. Like, I don't know. My dad would actually only refer to him as Papa Hemingway. <laughs> what? Yeah. Whenever he'd talk about him, he'd say Papa Hemingway. That's interesting. Yeah. Was my granddad Ernest Hemingway? <laughs> I think so. He died in 61 and your dad was like 50 and 61. Yeah, that sounds about right. Huh. <laughs> it's all coming together. I think so. Did you ever have a crush on your daddy? <laughs> uh, no, I was never a little girl either. <laughs> well if you did it's it's okay yeah, that's right or not i don't know i don't even know <laughs> who am i to say anyway the next evening uh nick arrives for his dinner date with the simpsons and he tries to tar <laughs> charm marge by saying that he didn't know that lisa had a sister and then goes to uh maggie saying that he didn't know that lisa had a daughter it's a weird thing to say to an eight-year-old girl <laughs> I know you so in his <laughs> trying to be sly or <laughs> Or, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not romantic, but to be like, like coy, coy, yeah. Like, so when your daughter was seven, she had sex and got pregnant and <laughs> had a baby. He's a real creep, yeah. And then he kisses the toddler's hand. Uh, he then kisses uh, Marge's hand, making her wonder if anyone's done that to her before. Oh my, I don't know if anyone's ever kissed my hand before. Well, your arms are lanky, it's kind of a long trip down there. My mother said I should bring some wine. Hmm, the French have gotten into the wine game? <laughs> Good luck catching up with the big boys. I'll get a couple of glasses. Mrs. Simpson, I'd like your permission to take your daughter to the Doritos Nutrition Fair at the school gym. Well, I usually take Lisa, but I could just go with Bart. Wait, what? No! You're going with me! But Lisa, after this, I don't want you to spend so much time with this boy. If you do, it'll mean you're a separate person from me. That'll stop her from seeing him. That's how you do it. Yeah. As a parent. Um, did you find it weird? So he brought a bottle of wine over. Mm -hmm. One thing, a eight-year-old boy with a bottle of wine. I, <laughs> did we actually establish his age? I mean, no, we didn't actually. So he could be a few years <laughs> older. He could be a 10-year-old with a bottle of wine. <laughs> why does Marge have three glasses of wine out? Like, there's not <laughs> the wine's not poured, but why are there three glasses? Yeah, that's a good point. So I think uh, Nick is actually like 21 years old and he just is really short could be i mean he does look like michael Sarah. i think it yeah well michael Sarah's not short is he i don't think so he seems nobody looks young i mean yeah and he looks like he looks like what mr burns would look like at that age have you ever seen that comparison that yeah. michael Sarah looks almost like burns-esque <laughs> yeah but why is there i just don't understand why there's three wine glasses it's weird yeah. Also in that clip, Bart's sitting like on that little alcove thing, uh, reading Radioactive Man. But if you look at the issue, it's not Radioactive Man. It's Radio Muzz. <laughs> like it, yeah, it's it like, appears to be like in a different language. It's the uh, a foreign version of Radioactive Man. Yeah. Which those you know those comics exist, but I think that must have been like a uh, such an Easter egg of a joke. Yeah. That only a jerk like you would have to pause and zoom in to look at. I know. Why would I do that? Yeah. Anyway, let's get to our third act. 
Finally. And it begins with uh, the Springfield Retirement Castle, where Lisa is pleading with her grandfather. She says that her mother can't appreciate the kind of boy Nick is, and that her father is a completely different creature. Abe agrees, because like of all the fish in the sea, Marge went and married a drunken walrus. He then goes on to tell Lisa that her predicament reminds him of the tale of Pyramus and Thisbe. And then the old Jewish man mentions that that story inspired Romeo and Juliet, which inspired West Side Story, which inspired him to say, meh. As Grandpa tells the tale of ancient love, Lisa imagines herself and Nick as the star-crossed lovers. Pyramus and Thisbe were lovers from ancient times. They lived next door, but their families despised each other. I don't like the Babylon, but I sure do like Babylon. The lovers had to whisper their sweet nothings through a crack in the wall. Wait a minute. Nick and I met talking through a crack between two booths. And the power of that forbidden smooch made them love each other forever. Man, that company thinks every time it adds a wisecracking parrot to a story, they own it. Talk to the wing, Thisbe. It's fun that Homer beheaded Ned and uh, kicked, his ball, kicked his head around like a hacky sack. And then at the end of the story, uh, took the head, tied a rope around it, and tied it to a tree like a tetherball. I That's think fun. we know someone's tattoo. Maybe. <laughs> I do like Ned being like, I don't want Babylon, but I like Babylon. Oh, how about the uh, Disney shade there thrown at the end? Yeah. And now they are part of the problem. They are the problem. And we're the solution. That's right. So Lisa asks her grandpa for some help on a foolish romantic mission. But before he commits, he has to check his schedule. And he grabs his planner and every other day is wait for death. And then he flips through the following days. Most days still saying wait for death. And he finally gets to a page on Friday the 2nd where he has it listed as die. But he agrees to help uh, Lisa. <laughs> I know someone's tattoo. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the girls' bathroom at Springfield Elementary, Nelson acts as lookout as junior mythcracker Bart tells the legend of Eleanor Mackey, who drowned in the very spot he's standing at. The story goes on that if you say her name three times while looking into the mirror, you will die. Bart turns out the lights and directs Millhouse towards the mirror. He says the name once, twice, then thrice. Suddenly, a figure appears behind his reflection, causing the children to scream in fear. Eleanor Mackey. Eleanor Mackey. Eleanor Mackey! Ah! Oh, give me a break. The one day the lunch lady decides to wash her hands. Okay, that was the last school myth and it's officially cracked. So school is just everything we see? That's sad, man. You into cigars now? It's a Twix! I can't be the guy who killed everybody's fun. That's Skinner's job. Don't blame me. You killed the fun, fun killer. Millhouse, I just figured out a way to make school cool again. American Girl doll day? You might be surprised at the number of boys who have American Girl dolls. It's not weird, because they're historic figures. Uh, a couple things there. I enjoy uh, Skinner throwing some shade there. Don't blame me. <laughs> you killed the fun, fun killer. Uh, the Bloody Mary myth is one that definitely existed in my school. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever tried it, Steve. It's too scary to try. I know. You might get Mary Hart. <laughs> what if just uh, 
Well, if you actually did it, and the reason they've been hiding it from kids is because the drink a Bloody Mary would appear, and then kids would proceed to just get drunk. <laughs> then they would just crave lunch for the rest of their life. <laughs> so you do it right now. Get a mirror and say Bloody, Bloody Mary three times. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Oh, no. I have a... I appear to have some sort of vessel in my hand. It's a dark red liquid coming out of it. Oh, no. And a, a stalk of celery and a mini cheeseburger and a straw and a pepperoncini. And four quesadillas. <laughs> and, and, a, and a sparkler. And a 12-pack of bratwurst. Well, I better take a sip of this cursed beverage. It's, it's Polish good. Balls. All right. Enough All of right. yuck, yuck, Steve. I do like uh, Jimbo being like, so school is just what is now? That's <laughs> yeah. sad. I mean, it, it's always sad when you lose your wonder. Your childlike wonder, Steve? Indeed. Well, maybe Bart can keep that going. How so? He's got an idea. So um, he checks over at uh, his willy, or a willy, uh, and he's growling and yelping at the hand mirror when suddenly he gets an idea. Um, he gets everyone to go back to Willie's shack where he has one last myth to crack. Yeah, so-called legend of groundskeeper where Willie, and uh, which is what I say to my Willie after I get out of the pool. <laughs> uh, Bart makes an announcement, uh, prepare to be disappointed as he opens the door of the shed to reveal a very hairy, feral Willie chewing on Millhouse's leg. Uh, the Scotsman there howls into the heavens, causing the frightened child to run to safety. But Bart congratulates his conspirators for helping him create the myth. Well, Willie asks for one more myth to be proved wrong. Now there's a myth about me I'd like you to correct. I'm not from Edinburgh. I'm also not from Glasgow. I'm from Kirkwall in Orkney. My father was an uppie and my mother was a doony. It tore the family apart. <laughs> Kirkwall, Scotland. That's a thing. Yeah, it is. And I think that um, it's a place especially in Scotland uh, proper where, you know, The Simpsons is very popular. There was a lot of people claiming that they he was either from Aberdeen or Glasgow. Uh, but no, he's from Kirkwall. They should erect a uh, statue of Willie. <laughs> I just used the word erect and willy in a sentence. You sure did. <laughs> but, you know, I think that that's a good point. And, you know, it'd be great for the community because they can uh, keep it clean, you know, help polish the erected willy. All right. Let's start a uh, GoFundMe page for an erect willy in, in uh, Kirkland. Kirk, yeah. Kirkwall, not Kirkland. <laughs> I don't know how Costco got involved, but it's going to knock the price down a little bit. Yeah. So uh, Willie sobs as a real deal is emblazoned on the screen. We then see uh, at the uh, Springfield Retirement Castle excursion shuttle being driven by Abe, who is escorting Lisa and Nick to Mulberry Island, where they can get that kiss. On the road, he passes on the other traffic exit for one that says Star-Crossed Lovers. It's good that there's an exit for that. Uh, sirens wail as police drive behind the van. Nick, uh, scared, squeezes Lisa's arm tightly. Chief Wiggum calls for Grandpa to pull over. He's accused of Grand Theft Retirement Home as the uh, TV remote is in his pocket. So back at the retirement home, seniors watch TV as the Spanish-dubbed uh, version of Maury Povich plays. And so the dubbed daytime talk show host says, Hello, I am Maury Povich. One of these seven men is the real father of this crack baby. Crackhead! So back in the van, Lisa tells Grandpa that uh, if they stop now, they'll never reach their destination by sunset. So Abe pulls uh, over and tells the kids to run. Uh, Abe vows to take care of the cops as a uh, prison doesn't scare him. And so Lisa and Nick head down a hill. Nick uh, 
carelessly smacking Lisa with a branch, eager to get away. And Grandpa screams as Wiggum takes him back to the retirement home. Eddie and Lou rush to the cup car upon hearing gunshots, but it turns out just to be Grandpa's bones a popping. That's right. So Lisa and Nick receive a ride from Cletus, who normally doesn't approve of outbreeding, but they seem nice. And as the hillbilly drives away, Lisa sees a boat that they can take to the romantic island. Nick fearfully complains, and Lisa questions the bravery of her new boyfriend, while the rest of the family rush to find her. I don't know. This water's a little choppy. I thought you rode up the Zambezi without a guide. Right? Right? So, Dad, what kind of stupid idea did you put in Lisa's head? She wants to steal a kiss like Pyramus and Thisbe. Did you say Ultimate Frisbee? No! Oh, that was so dumb, Homer. Um, Not (laughs) Ultimate Frisbee. No, it'd be fun, though. Yeah, to kiss on Mulberry Island? Yeah. Is that why we're under a mulberry tree, Steve? Oh, you figured it out. How dare you. Um, Marge looks to the horizon to see Lisa and the young Nick paddling towards the mulberry island there. Annoyed, Marge grabs a pair of water shoes, size small, and takes the uh, to the water, awkwardly walking first away, then to the shore, and then Homer being all sexist, you know, women in shoes, am I right? <laughs> um, are water shoes a thing? I'm... I was going to ask you the same <laughs> thing. I don't know. This seemed like I would fall down instantly. Yeah. And shouldn't they be called Jesus shoes? Again, not a political or religious podcast, but. <laughs> yeah, not a religious podcast, but yeah. I mean, I want to try water shoes. And she grabs smaller, Marge's feet large. I think, yeah. I feel like there's something that's, well, maybe I'm thinking something else. I don't know. I mean, King of the Hill, Peggy Hill, literally had big feet. That's maybe that I was thinking that. Yeah. Get all my tunes confused. Uh, what's happening next with uh, Bugs Bunny, Steve? Well, he's with Peter Griffin, and they and Astro are going to see Lisa and Nick arrive at the island and run to hold hands under the tree. <laughs> Nick, ah, Nick, tells Lisa that her hands are too cold, and then he uh, uses his sweater sleeve to hold her hands. And uh, Lisa continues to wonder about the true nature of her new lover. You know, you were a lot more adventurous at the dessert table. I sure was. I'm allergic to chocolate. Shut up and kiss me. Lisa, it's Hadley Richardson, Hemingway's first wife. Trust me, you're making a big mistake. If you don't believe me, ask Pauline Pfeiffer. I was his second wife. There were two more after me. Tortured writers make horrible husbands. At least you chose to be with him. I was just swimming along, minding my own business. Next thing I know, I was hanging on his wall. He used to pee in the fireplace. (laughs) Wait, how long is this love for again? Eternity. That's a pretty long time. Now my lips are getting cold. This isn't working out. Lisa, I'm sorry that God gave me this gift of lying to girls for a little while. I'll see ya. (gasps) I feel kind of silly I walked all the way out here. You're just fine. You always are. Who's doing the voice of the uh, swordfish? It's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And that's all I need to talk about right now is just the swordfish. (laughs) Did Hemingway fuck a swordfish? (laughs) No, I think it's implied that like he killed the swordfish and mounted it on his wall. I think he did that. But I think before that, (laughs) because he's because he's agreeing with his (laughs) ex-wives. And the oh, line man. goes, tortured, writer, tortured writers make horrible husbands. At <laughs> least you chose to be with him. Oh. <laughs> with him in the yeah. biblical sense. Not a religious podcast. <laughs> All right. Hemingway fucked uh, swordfish. 
Or maybe he got fucked by a swordfish. Maybe. Oh, that might hurt. Ouch. <laughs> Either way, that's why the Marlins are called the Marlins to this very day. <laughs> um, I really like the line Marge says, you're just fine, you always are. I think that's a very sweet line. Uh, just it captures like their relationship really well. Yeah. Where Marge, or Lisa's starting to outgrow her mother, and it kind of breaks Marge's heart. Well, that's the whole idea of this episode, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, Lisa thanks her mother and admits that she just couldn't do it. After all, the person you kiss under a mulberry tree is someone you'll love for the rest of your life. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, so Marge and Lisa look into each other's eyes. Longer and longer, they gaze at one another. Then Marge leans in and gently kisses Lisa's Jeez. forehead. Yes, she's, uh, that's the way it would happen. So Bart looks through the binoculars as Marge and Lisa water shoot their way across the lake. Homer shouts that he's coming, but turns on the fan boat. He's in and instantly goes underwater. He then reaches the surface saying that uh, he heard that if fat guy stops moving, he'll float. Um, so Homer stops moving and sinks below the surface. And then the uh, myth cracked appears on the screen. And, and then what happens? Um, that's the episode. Oh, okay. But did you notice, Steve, that when Homer and the boat go under the water, the credits appear yes. <laughs> with executive producer Al Jean in yellow. I know. So not white. Yeah. And then that's when Homer comes up and says the, uh, the fat thing and myth right. appears on the screen. So I certainly didn't omit that intentionally. <laughs> so you wouldn't bring up that the, the fact that I brought up the yeah. trivia was wrong. And as we consistently see, so I was just going to hope that we just nope. skip over it. But since we mentioned it, let's uh, yeah, that's fine. All right. Well, let's just take a break so you can be shamed. All right. Get over your embarrassment and come back and uh, we'll finish up with our thoughts. Sounds good. We'll be right back. All righty, Craig, we're back. Let's finish up our discussion of The Daughter Also Rises. We'll talk about our favorite visual things, what we might want on a t-shirt or tattoo or other media. Talk about our favorite quotes, our favorite MVJ, and just kind of what we thought about the episode. And then we'll find out what we're watching next week. What do you say? Hi, caramba! I think I kind of alluded in the episode. I said that you would want a set when uh, Grandpa's telling the story of Primus and Feces uh-huh. um, that... Uh, you see the Flanders and Homer and Homer chops off the Flanders head and dangles it over uh, a tree. I think yeah, that's, that's fun. A tree tattoo with Flanders head, severed head. Pretty messed up, I she, would say. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. Maybe I should and I know that you, change it. <laughs> no, no, I think it's fine. I mean, you could always go with uh, Frank holding a centrifuge. <laughs> well, he gets cucked by another nerd. <laughs> yeah, okay. Is that yours then? <laughs> Uh, no, oh. I know you think I'm going to go with the planner that has wait to die, wait to die, die. But no, I'm going to go with the uh, T-shirt that the uh, flamenco guitarist's other girlfriend was having. It's the kitty cat with the beret. That's my shirt. <laughs> How about uh, um, Hemi- Ernest Hemingway uh, fucking a swordfish? There you go. <laughs> with no arms. A farewell, you would say. Exactly. <laughs> farewell arms. Hello to that dick. <laughs> Uh, how about favorite uh, gag or joke from this? I don't know. It, it's tough for me. Homer was fun and dumb. It was really full of cum. I'd like to come. No, but he was he was a good time. Um, I like um, Skinner saying, don't look at me. I didn't kill the, everyone's fun. You fun killer. Yeah, I think that was one of my favorite. Yeah. And and the, the I don't know who was doing the voice of the swordfish. I keep going back to that swordfish voice. It was very silly. I think that's probably my favorite silly. 
Philly silly scene. Yeah, I think my favorite line, though, and I alluded to it before, was uh, when Marge says, of course you're okay. You're always okay. Yeah, that is a sweet line. I think it's just a nice encapsulation of their relationship in this episode and kind of where they, you know, where they come back to one another every now and then. I want to go back to something we didn't talk about real quick, just something that I thought was weird. Do Jasper and Abe live together now? Because in that scene where Grandpa's telling about the story, Mm -hmm. Jasper's are eating, you know, food on a bed. Right. And and uh, there's two beds there. So, yeah, do they share? Because I was like, yeah. it seems weird when don't like retirement communities mostly they have their own place normally yeah you have like your own like little motel room type thing yeah because you're you're paying rent for a room right i mean did they decide to become roommates maybe there were budget cuts because if you look jasper sitting on a bed and above him is a, a wedding photo it's hard to make out but i think it's mona and abe because if you look above Abe, he's got Homer March photograph. Right. So maybe unless it's... like it could just be Abe's room and old Jewish man just gets real comfortable in there. <laughs> but why does Abe then have two beds? Uh, that's a fair point. All right. I need that's a very good point. Um, that might have to that might knock my score down. Yeah. Um, well, should we just then talk about it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, so, uh, yeah. What are your thoughts, Craig? Oh, I was going to say my favorite scene was uh, the definitive scene is when Homer eats the flowers. Oh, of course. Yeah. Call back to it. Don't go eat some flowers. <gasps> my secret shame. But, I mean, a lot goes on here, right? You know, it starts off the Valentine's Day like they promised. No, this, we talk about how the kids, when the kids are acting like kids, it's always a great time because this whole episode was, uh, you know, two stories like they would do in a narrative and a b a and a b story mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how things work steve it's true and uh you know it kind of incorporated them which is nice um and i was saying the kids being kids i like the fact that you know they're watching they do a, a mythbusters parody but that's something kids would do is copy what they see on tv yeah and i feel like their examples of uh, kid myths are all even if you didn't have them specifically they all seem very real right and very valid you know with uh because yeah we had the bloody mary one Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that aspect. You know, the the the, the Lisa stuff too. I it, I guess it it's not really a story they've kind of tackled, but you know, it's you know when when you fall in love, you know, it's probably hard on the parent because that means they're just getting older, and then soon enough they're gone. Like Marge says, I also like the fact that uh, really when you're young and you think you're in love. That's the whole uh, like love at first sight type of thing, right? Like there's an idea of somebody that you idolize and then you try to you see it in a person, but that it's not there. So you keep trying to like see if it's there, you know, mm-hmm. and so you get to, and Lisa deals with that. And that's, that's fun. I, honestly, like I felt like maybe that story with Lisa, if you got rid of the Mythbusters thing, maybe just made it like one thing just to get perpetuate the story a little bit further. I think I think they could have built more on the the Lisa and March storyline a little bit more. Hmm, yeah, but it is kind of a classic Simpson in the in the sense that you know that is the A and B story. Bart's got his mission and Lisa, and then you know in the end it comes together. I think I'd say watch it because it's one of the rare new ones, like you said, with the uh, be yourself line, mm-hmm. where there is some nice uh, heartfelt moments. I don't know if I would say it's one of the top ten episodes that we've reviewed but uh it was enjoyable uh so for that reason um i give this episode out of uh well we we learned we learned a new thing that uh groundskeeper willie's from kirkwall scotland mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the uh 
population as of the 2011 census is a 9,293 people. Um, so out of 2,923, I'll give this episode a 7,896. Alrighty, that's a big score. Oh, probably is. I don't know. <laughs> like probably like an 80% ish. Yeah, I'd say high 70s, high mid 80s. 80s. Yeah. High 70s. Yeah. Um, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I think that the Bart and Milhouse uh, story was solid, and it could also maybe be extended to its own episode. Um, but I do like the A story. I do like the B story. And I think they both wrapped up nicely and earnestly. I feel like they intertwine very well. And I like that, you know, you have a Valentine's Day episode that is about the love between a mother and daughter rather than really, you know, the relationship between Lisa and Nick is really kind of superficial and not very deep, which probably b- brings me to the biggest issue that I have with this episode is that I feel like they tried so hard to make Michael Sarah be a Michael Sarah type character, but they didn't like write a lot of jokes for him. Yeah, you're right. He didn't really have any haha they were just he just seemed like a prick <laughs> to me i don't know like which is like uh scott pilgrim played by michael Sarah. exactly i mean and it's not that he did anything wrong i just feel like they could have made him a bit more they could have built him up a little bit more so that when he turned out to be kind of a wussy uh phony it would have been there there'd been more emotional stakes into it and you also gotta say too is i think uh, rob was did a pretty good job of not relying on homer with all the jokes like homer's barely in it that's true and that's something rare that you don't really see in the simpsons that because homer really doesn't have much to do yeah he does a little thing with bart but other than that he did the jokester yeah and aside from like yeah aside from like the the batting cage he didn't have a lot of jokes you're right so i I think it's probably harder trying to and more challenging yeah not focusing the because i imagine the writers love writing for homer i know they love writing home for homer and lisa yeah that's true and you know it could have easily they could have easily fallen back on a daddy-daughter relationship where lisa like like i'm gonna be a kid a, bit, a little bit longer maybe i will have a kind of a crush on my daddy right well, but um that didn't happen and she just kind of like her and and marge uh, shared a nice moment and you're right that the uh the story structure is very old-fashioned simpsons like they don't go anywhere too crazy and it's just kind of nice in in their own little world so I don't know. I think that this was is a solid episode that you should watch. I think it has a lot of heart, especially for being kind of late later in the game. And uh, yeah, it's enjoyable. It's not like it's not incredibly funny to me, but it is entertaining yep. and a fun time, I'd say. Um, and so for that, I would say, you know, as we all know, there are 299 episodes of Mythbusters. So I'm going to give this a uh, 260. Pretty good score there. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess this episode has been debunked. So we never have to do it again. Good. Is that how that works? <laughs> I think so. All right. Well, how about we find out what we watch uh, next week? Sounds good. But to do that, we're going to need that good old wheel of random. Let's give it a spin to see what season we're in. We have season 21. Season 21. All right, let's give it a spin to see which episode we're watching. Episode 2. Season 21, episode 2. Why that's Bart gets a Z. What happens, Craig? When Bart's prank gets Mrs. Krabappel fired from Springfield Elementary, he tries to make it up to her without letting her know that he was responsible. Hmm. Steve, do you remember this episode? I remember when uh, Mrs. Krabappel is at the uh, in the laundromat and she's like, tab, all fun, bright. 
and they, they he goes or sorry she goes for all and you know she's wearing a green sweater and then uh mr flanders becomes the principal oh wait no sorry that's a different episode i don't know i don't remember this episode yeah <laughs> it sounds like what well, is this is season 21 and and they haven't done uh Kerbopo gets fired because of bard episode yet after 21 years yeah it's kind of surprising yeah i i don't remember it either so um but it's gonna be fun to see uh or hear marshall wallace as edna again yeah and it's uh, written by matt selman who's always fun yeah yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. All right. I'm looking forward to people going to tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grunt boys for merch. And I'm also looking forward to people tweeting, Instagramming, or Facebooking us at 138Simpsons. And I'm looking forward to people emailing us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. And I'm also looking forward to reading all of your five-star reviews that don't actually have to be real reviews on your favorite cod-catching apps. You can write us a question. You can tell us your favorite Ernest Hemingway novel or your favorite Mer- Mariel Hemingway novel. Whatever works for you. Or your favorite Ernest movie. Yeah. Or that's it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. For this week, I've been half an annoyed grunt boy, Craig. And I've been your other half annoyed grunt boy, Steve. Remember, keep reaching for the skis. Don't look at me. I didn't kill everyone's fun. Fun killer. You want a piece of my ziti?